0: This podcast is brought to you by the NRCA Healthcare Program. Did you know that NRCA now offers quality, affordable healthcare options for NRCA members of all types and sizes? Visit nrcahealth.com to learn more. You've got nothing to lose and a lot to gain. Welcome to the 10th episode in season one of Stories of an Extraordinary Industry presented by NRCA, the National Roofing Contractors Association. My name is Jared Ribble. NRCA brings these stories to you so that you can be proud of the great work being done in the roofing industry and that you might learn something from the story told. If you enjoy this podcast, tell your friends and make sure to subscribe. This story is about two brothers, Chad and Todd Dunlap, from the little town of Wapakoneto, Ohio, 60 miles north of Dayton. Frost Roofing is lucky enough to employ them both. Chad is their business development manager, and Todd serves as an operations manager. This story will not be easy to listen to. But do not turn away. This episode very well could save someone's life, maybe your own. Here is Todd Dunlap.
1: The lady ran one of those blinking yellow lights, and she hit us at about 55 miles an hour square in the side. The impact itself killed the driver, which was my stepfather. I was asleep in the back seat. At the point of impact, my stepfather was thrown into the back seat, and basically his body shielded me. That was why I was okay, because I was cocooned. Whereas Chad went through the windshield with my mother, because she was holding Chad like people did in the 70s, more than likely with the windmill effect when the car was hit. She was, you know, naturally, instinctively shielded herself around him and bore Most of the blunt force trauma, even though at his age of four, he was thrown out in the road. My mother was stumbling around in shock, but my brother was laying in the highway, and the car was in the field, and I was in the car. They heard me moaning in the back seat.
0: Todd shared the ambulance ride with his mother. She would not survive. Todd and Chad, brothers age 4 and 7, would be placed into custody of their father and stepmother. But their dad was rarely home, leaving the boys alone with their stepmother.
1: You know, when after the car accident, when we came home, for instance, um, he was in a cast, basically, from the waist down. And uh, whereas when you bring your child home under those in- auspices... You take care of him. You nursemaid him. You don't let him out of your sight. You sleep with them. Whatever it takes. That wasn't the case. We were just stuck in our bedroom. And, you know, Chad would cry at night because he was in so much pain. And I would uh, hold the pee bottle, uh, made a coat hanger with a sock on it, and scratch his legs inside his cast, massage his feet and his toes so that they wouldn't become and stay blue because he would just cry and cry and cry. Our environment was one that we weren't wanted there, basically just stuck in a closet like an old pair of boots.
0: Todd is only seven years old, caring for his four-year-old brother, Chad. Here is Chad Dunlap remembering life with his stepmom.
2: Dad was an over-the-road truck driver, so he would drive all week long and be home, sometimes half a day Saturday and all day Sunday. Well, as soon as my dad would leave, she would change, okay, from the person that she was to the person that she normally is with myself and my brother. Her favorite phrase to me was, you're worthless, you'll never amount to anything. You should have died in that wreck with your mother. I was my dad's favorite. She hated me for it. You know, there were things done to me that I, I wouldn't wish
1: on anyone. Her having that, what they called black rage and and just going off for no reason that was one of the things that she did that was so peculiar was out of the blue coming into the room at night to just beat on us you know there was one time that you know we were our beds were right across from each other my dad had had a belt well it had big buckles on it she would use that on us because of its size And uh, wailing on him with that and the screaming and the fighting and me shielding him with my body and uh, holding each other up and trying to bathe each other after a round and a go of getting beat. I mean, there were times that she would leave when dad would go off to work and be gone for a week or two at a time. She would turn the heat down or even turn it off. And we were stuck there. It was frost completely covering everything in your room. As an abuser, she convinced us that if we were to say anything or get her in trouble, they would put our father in jail because she wasn't our our legal parent. Even though that was ridiculous, that was what we thought. So we closed ranks, we kept our mouths shut, and we took care of each other because that was all we had.
2: In the abuse as a child, Todd, he was the one that had to watch. He tried to protect me, but I was easy a target. Todd was always there. He was the constant for my life back then.
0: In junior high, Chad would meet someone at school that would alter the course of his life. His name was Seth.
2: Seth didn't really care for me when we first met. Matter of fact, when we first met, he wanted to fight me. I was in the seventh grade, and uh, it was over a girl. Seth showed up, and we were going to fight. It was scheduled, you know. Evidently, the teachers heard about it as well, and they were waiting outside the school for us to have our little altercation. They broke that up, allowed us the opportunity to talk to each other. We talked it out, wound up going to his house. We found out that we had so much more in common.
0: They did have a lot in common. Each boy had a parent at home physically abusing them. Seth's dad would fire guns at him or beat him till unconscious. Chad and Seth quickly became friends.
2: Seth was fearless. I guess when you've been through things like that, normal fears really aren't fears anymore. He, he wasn't afraid of law enforcement. He wasn't afraid of getting busted for anything. Yeah. Very typical to, to some of the things that I went through, but only it was his father and not his stepmother. Hanging out with Seth was was one of the things that I really joined up to, you know, like 7th, 8th, ninth in 10th grade. We did lots of underage drinking back at that point in time. We did a lot of camping. We would go to bridges and just jump off of bridges into the into bodies of water. We, we would uh, ramp our cars at railroad tracks. I have no idea how that 65 Mustang stayed without busting a hole in the oil pan or, or worse. I, I did lots of things to to get out of the reality that I that I was currently living in.
0: Seth's fearlessness began to rub off on Chad. And this fresh set of courage came roaring to the surface when his stepmom found a dish she thought was dirty. She burst into
2: our bedroom, swinging this belt buckle and continued to hit me with it. Well, that was the night that everything really changed. I snapped, I I, I exploded. I went after her. Luckily, my brother was in the house, and and he grabs me from around the waist and I'm pulling him across the living room. One of our good friends was there, jumps in front of me. Mind you, my brother's two and a half years older. These guys are power lifters. They're very strong individuals. However, I had so much rage and so much anger and resentment to phrases such as, you're worthless, you'll never to anything, you should have died that wreck with your mother that I had snapped. I had had my fill. You know, at some point we have to stand up for ourselves. So many people in an abusive relationship just learn to accept this as their normal. That is not acceptable.
1: Chad had gotten so bad and so wild. And there was so much unresolved issues, PTSD and trauma that I couldn't cope and I couldn't deal with it anymore. Todd moves out on his own. And I feel bad for that because I had raised him and done all these things for him. And basically, I looked at him and said, if you're going to have these issues, then I'm gone. But I'm culpable for that because I never should have just said, I'm out. And it also became a point when um, our stepmom told us, you know, you're 18, get out. So there was that stigma as well.
2: Todd was a little over two years older than I was. So Todd moved out. I'm 15 years old. Complete fear for my life um, because she would tell me she's going to kill me in my sleep. Um, My stepmother would throw me out of the house. And when I would be gone, the the locks would change often. I, I was never given a new key to the lock.
0: At only 15 years old, Chad has had enough and decides to go out on his own as well.
2: I I was dating a girl and I stayed with some of their family at a KOA campground. Mind you, it's a half a mile down the road. I'm doing my science homework and someone comes in with this little piece of paper that's folded multiple different ways. And I'm sitting at their kitchen table in this camper and they open it up, dump it out on the table. I say, hey, what's what's that? A white powdery substance. And they said, well, this is cocaine. And I'm like, okay. You know, basically, would you like to try it? It was amazing, you know, or or so my mind thought then. I mean, it was the greatest set of homework that I had ever done in my life. I was mastering science in that short period of happiness. I I, I love that sensation. I didn't realize that that sensation only lasts for about two hours.
1: There was constant fear, constant uh, adrenaline, constant anger. So, his natural emotional state was super intense anger, just this raw intensity.
2: My life was a constant state of fight or flight.
0: I was all the time, I was always amped up. And those drugs focused and enhanced that intensity. Then Chad gets some good news. So it seems.
2: 18 years old, my dad meets with me to go sign the paperwork over for me to receive my mother and stepfather's life insurance policy. They handed me a check for a lot of money, thousands and thousands of dollars as a junior in high school. So I was getting those thousands of dollars plus social security from my my deceased stepfather of $865 a month. Money was not a problem.
0: And what does Chad buy with this newfound pot of gold? What every good red blooded American 18 year old boy would buy, a car, a fast one. Finally, out of the terrorizing clutches of their stepmother, the Dunlap brothers' fortunes seem to be turning. Or are they? We will find out in a moment, but first,
3: Hi, I'm Jamie Sessions with NRCA, and I am thrilled to announce the launch of the NRCA Healthcare Program, which offers affordable, flexible, customized healthcare benefits to meet all budgets. NRCA's program provides tremendous value through significant cost reduction, product customization, and improved health outcomes for those insured. The NRCA Healthcare Program will help you save money, as well as attract and retain valuable employees. Give us 15 minutes and get a free evaluation of your current health care program and allow us to show you the range of affordable options. You have nothing to lose and a lot to gain. Visit nrcahealth.com or call NRCA program partner Vault Health Strategies at 866-431-8721.
0: The Dunlap brothers.
3: Todd and Chad
0: both work for Frost Roofing and today are respected gentlemen in their community. But their lives started in the rockiest of ways, having to navigate the death of their parents and tremendous physical abuse from their stepmother. The trauma and PTSD is ferocious and the brothers move separate directions. Chad finding cocaine to be the perfect complement to his amped up personality. With a pot of life insurance money to support him, Chad is set, finally living easy, riding around in his fast car with his best friend Seth, listening to Tom Petty. Chad didn't realize, though, his best friend was on the brink of making a devastating decision. Welcome back to our story, Chad Dunlap
2: were cruising around in his mustang and this song comes on and he sings it word for word tom petty last dance with mary chain but i thought wow you know i, I i've never heard this song before and, and you know it well other small little things where you know I, i'll just kill myself when he would say these things it didn't sink in that he was seriously role-playing that in his mind
0: of what he would do and then the phone call
2: my phone rang, and, and it was Seth, and I was like, hey, man, how's it going? You know, I, I'm excited. My girlfriend is with me. He had told me about he, how he had went on a date with a young lady, and I said, that is fantastic. He says, well, not really. She wound up getting back with her ex-boyfriend, and I said, man, I'm so sorry to hear that. He says, Chad, he says, I have a rope hanging in the garage. I'm going to take my own life. I didn't believe him. I was like, come on, man, What's next? He he continued to to talk in that direction. He said, You know, Chad, I've done all that I've wanna do in this life. You know, he said, My grandma's waiting in heaven for me. I, I was still doing drugs at the time, but I thought, you know, I can get there, I can mellow this guy out, we can talk through it. Well, he told me that he loved me and he hung up the phone. My first reaction was to call nine one one, but i I I stopped in my tracks because I was afraid he'd be mad at me. I made the split-second decision that I can get there. I drove as fast as I possibly could. Uh, my girlfriend screaming at me the entire time to slow down. Um, when I would slow down, she would tell me to speed up. I come flying up in his front yard, and in our conversation, he told me that he was smoking his last cigar and that he would leave a key underneath the doormat. Where he had taped newspapers over the garage windows. Well, that's not something somebody normally does. <laughs> When I ran through his living room, the cigar was still burning. I thought, man, I made it. I'm here in time. It seemed like forever for me to go from that corner to the, to the garage door uh, in the kitchen. Um, there was a huge envelope. I say huge. I think everything seemed out of proportion that day. I tore that off the door and ran out into the garage, and um, he, he had hung himself. His feet were still on the ground. So when I'm standing in that doorway, I thought to myself, you cut the rope too long, dummy. <laughs> and I and I ran out there and grabbed him, thinking that I was saving him. He had his hands handcuffed behind his back so he couldn't change his mind. I did something that I should have done 25 minutes earlier. was I called 911. My friend had put a bandana over his face. He was thinking of me in that moment. Well, I never lifted that up. But in my dreams, I would lift it up and it would be my dad, my brother, my girlfriend, everyone that are still here. So my dreams were unbelievably terrifying. So I made the decision. I don't need to sleep anymore. You know, I can stay awake always a high-strung person anyhow, so when I'm jacked up, it really looks how Chad is when he's happy. So I'm just happy all the time. Everybody says, you know what, Chad's the greatest guy to be around. He's always so energetic. No, I'm always on cocaine and not have these terrifying dreams. So I I had a habit of about $2,000 a week.
0: I thought that I would have this money forever. Here again is Chad's
1: brother, Todd. He became so intense with his abuse and his issues. All Chad was all out or no out. And the fact that he lived through that was a miracle. You know, we didn't have very many resources. It was just us. I wanted to help him, but it was sort of like Icarus, you know. I'm down here and I'm looking up at Icarus and he's getting too close to the sun. But my wings are tarred. I have nothing left. You know, I couldn't do anything more. If he wasn't willing to try harder, you're looking at him like, contribute, do something. You got to help me get you through this.
2: Well, there came a point where that money, that flow of cash ran out. My girlfriend and I had already broke up. I was a complete mess. The fast car, it was totaled. I, I really am down to nothing. I have a Honda Accord and the trunk seats would lay down. The back seats would lay down. I would drive my car, pull into a hotel somewhere, lay down the back seats and sleep with my head in the trunk. My life had come down to that. Withdrawals were horrible. Many times planned that get through today and tonight, I'm gonna take my own life. I didn't want to die. Understand something. Anyone who struggles with thoughts of suicide don't want to die. They just want the pain to stop. Nobody sets out to be a drug addict. They're just trying to get the pain to stop numb that pain away just long enough to love themselves artificially. And that's
0: all I was trying to do. Out of money, homeless, Chad takes a baby step towards change. And it started with his mind. I think the first thing that had to happen was
2: how I spoke to myself. We speak everything into existence, good and bad, in our lives. How I talked to myself had to change. For so many years, I still told myself, you're worthless.
0: You'll never amount to anything. You should have died in that wreck with your mother. The second step is Chad believing he could break the cycle and sprout a new branch off his family tree.
2: My dad used to always say and I love my dad to pieces, but he would always say, "Well, that's
0: how my childhood was. I
2: can't expect more different for you." But I used to hear all the time, "We're Dunlaps. What do you expect? Setting such a low standard for what they have in life, and it would anger me. That's garbage. That is garbage. I would say, you know what? I'm a Dunlap. I expect everything out of this life. My past has nothing to do with my future. My past has nothing to do with my future.
0: Working daily to change his thought patterns, Chad began to realize he could have something he never thought possible. And it would be the driving motivation for change in his life.
1: Of all the things he never thought that he would ever have, and that was his own family. I really think that that's what pulled him back was knowing that and that recovery and knowing that he could start his own family in the beginning. It was hell on wheels for Mandy because she was the one reining him in in all aspects, even aspects that she didn't see at the time.
2: I was a closet alcoholic. I would hide alcohol in the trunk of my car. I would get home from work, go to the trunk to check on something and drink a bunch of alcohol because that that was my coping mechanism. I was half drunk all of the time. That's, That's how I could still live with me. And looking back, it breaks my heart. You know, My children were old enough to understand what they were seeing and that bothered me. I'm supposed to be the example for them and I was a horrible example. I hated who I was. There was nothing positive coming out of my mouth. Well, when you're not positive, nobody wants to be around you, even your kids. But being the example to my children was what really forced me to change because I was going down the same road with them that that my childhood was. And my children should not have to suffer For what I went through, you know, I I wanted them to believe in me like I was starting to believe in me. But I hadn't shown them much of a good track record. My children were the driving force to make me start loving myself unconditionally. They taught me what unconditional love is.
1: And I think in itself, kids, his wife, they really saved him. You know, we both, I've been married over 20 years. Chad's been married 25. I mean, I think we've broken just about every cycle there is to break, you know, and we're proud of that. Our kids have never known abuse or neglect, ever.
0: Changing his thoughts to love himself unconditionally and the helpful motivation of family put Chad on a path to healing. But it was the unfinished business with their stepmom which made the healing take
1: root. I've always admired Chad because everything that we went through with our stepmom, he was able to forgive her. That was something that he so desperately needed. And once he did that, it allowed a great healing to encompass him and his soul and who he is as a human being.
0: Forgiveness. I suspect that was the hardest step to take. Chad makes it clear overcoming a substance addiction does not happen overnight. He works at it daily. And it took until his mid-30s for him to get a handle on his substance abuse. He worked his way through a few different jobs supporting his family and earned his way up the ladder to be the manager of a car dealership. Then he rips up his shoulder.
2: When I initially had my shoulder surgery on my right shoulder, greater than 10 years ago, they threw painkillers at me, unlimited supply. How you doing on your pain meds? I'm pretty low, here's 90 more. I became addicted to painkillers. This is within the last 15 years. I was up to 16 a day, running a car dealership. We had our greatest month ever and I don't recall a single thing my wife tried so hard to keep me on the straight and narrow with my painkillers she would start writing them down and Chad got angry I don't need to be mothered nobody's gonna control me I got to the point where I'm seeing my physical therapist she says Chad I have no idea how good you're doing Why is that? she said you're high all the time and that angered me so that night I went home I had 52 of my little friends still with me the next morning I took him to her in the withdrawals out of this world. Then I converted my garage over into an area for my kids just to hang out. I put myself in that garage for four days. I went through cold sweats, anger, rage, teeth banging together because my body was fighting. Hey, get me some more pain Day four, it was like a light went
0: off and I had become sober. Another addiction battle and Chad conquered. But a second shoulder surgery put him right back into a fight with the pills. Chad needed a change of scenery and a change of workplace. Could he find a job where his outgoing personality would coincide with a work environment that would foster his goals of staying clean? Welcome to our story, J.J. Smithy of Frost Roofing.
4: So as far as finding someone that's true blue and, and has never had these issues, I think that's more of an anomaly. We look for people that understand that there was an issue in their past, that have a plan personally to deal with those things. And we have a support staff to make sure that they continue on that path to not fall back or go back into their past transgressions. That may sound simplistic, but it really is that simplistic.
0: Sounds like frost roofing might be the perfect place for Chad to work.
4: We had a a business development position available and we advertised and Chad came in and applied. And I remember I I interviewed him a couple of times. And the thing about Chad is, you know, it was it was hard for me to get a word in. (laughs) So (laughs) That was almost eight years ago. He fit into our mantra and who we were because... We don't go out to sell a roof. We go out to sell solutions, and and we we work to create relationships. You know, when you talk to Chad, and he really wants to make that connection with people, that that is very personal.
0: A perfect match it is. But things did not start off easy for Chad and Frost Roofing. I quit Frost Roofing after the first week.
2: (laughs) I walked over to the HR manager. I handed her my keys. I handed her my credit card. I handed her my phone. And I said, this just isn't for me. And she said, hey, Chad why don't you calm down and let's have a meeting. Went back and sat down in JJ's office and he came in and sat down and said, what's the problem? And I said, man, this just isn't for me. He said, Chad, I just want you to be you. I didn't know anything about roofing.
4: He just got very overwhelmed with, with the technical aspect. I guess that's where we learned how to, how to work together. If he finds a customer that has a need, we're going to be able to fix that. And as as long as he can get the right person to the introduction and he can create that relationship things are gonna work out well.
0: And things have worked out well. Chad having experienced unimaginable rejection growing up, once a driving force for his drug addiction, now with unconditionally loving himself, Chad can use that experience of rejection for something positive.
4: The really interesting thing about Chad is he thrives on people saying no. And I've never seen that in a person. Business development is a very tough job because you you get a lot of rejection. And Chad is the guy that I've never seen before where he kind of thrives on that, where he's going to crack that nut. He's going to find that day where his customer is going to give us an opportunity. And it might be a $300 bill. And that's really
0: all we need. Chad has now been with Frost Roofing for nearly a decade. His brother Todd joined Frost shortly after Chad. Todd has proven so valuable to Frost Roofing, he won the Roofing Alliance's 2020 MVP award and Professional Roofing Magazine's Best of the Best. Yes, Todd is an extraordinary roofer, but it was his community contributions and volunteering that he believes really won him the accolades.
1: When we give and when we help others and do the things that we do, it's because we know we've been there, we were strong enough to make it out, but you have a duty to go back in and save people.
2: Most people get home at night and everything they've done for everyone else, that cup is completely empty. They have nothing left for themselves at the end of the day. Start loving yourself unconditionally. That cup fills and begins to overflow. Well, I tell you what, that overflow is what I give to everyone else. You're worth it. If you start to love yourself unconditionally and fill that cup, everything in your life changes.
0: A changed life. But Chad had one more test.
2: So this last year, I re-tore off the shoulder and partial bicep tear. I had surgery in February. This was the first time that I was ever man enough, I guess in my world, the way to put it, to say, not this time. I've learned in the last 10 years to unconditionally love myself. I'm worth more than addiction.
0: Way to go, Chad, way to go. Todd and Chad, you are extraordinary roofers. Frost Roofing is lucky to have you, and so is the roofing industry. As our story comes to a close, we would be remiss if we didn't allow our guests to offer some helpful advice. Here is JJ Smithy again on what to look for in your employees who might be struggling with substance abuse.
4: Guys that work together every day know each other really well. And when your habits change and all of a sudden you become a moody person or, you know, you're, you're just a different guy, then then that's always a red flag. Uh, calling in late to work or they start missing work or you start to see those kinds of things where Mondays are a no show. And you've got you've got other guys saying, hey, there's something going on. And we have a conversation and we say, hey, what's going on?
0: Chad emphasizes it is the conversation that matters. It's okay to speak up. You can save a life by simply asking
2: the right questions. First question, hey, I've noticed some things are off. I know you're struggling. What's going on? How can I help you? My physical therapist said, hey, Chad, you're high all the time. I was never expecting that word to come out of her mouth. That was a a red flag that she noticed right away. She told me, I think you need to bring me your painkillers. Now, I can tell you, if I didn't bring her my painkillers the next day, she was probably going to go the next step. She gave me the opportunity to take that step. Once you've listened to them, it's your job to help bridge that person between this scenario and the person that can help.
0: After you have pointed the person towards help, Todd will tell you your responsibility is not done.
1: Fully commit yourself to helping them, let them know every moment that you see them that you are going to be there to relentlessly pick them up, that they and their soul has become your addiction until they beat this addiction. And then you have to commit yourself to it 100%. No one gets left behind.
0: I understand this was a hard podcast to listen to. Believe me, it was hard for me to put together. But imagine how difficult it was for Todd and Chad to revisit such difficult memories. Todd, Chad, we are a better industry because you shared. Thank you. If you are struggling with an addiction to a substance, I hope you heard the small baby steps Chad took to set himself on a path to healing. Most importantly, love yourself enough to ask for help. The roofing industry will not leave you behind. When I started producing this podcast, I thought it was going to be about suicide prevention. But with Chad's intense battle with substance abuse, this story took an important turn. We're simply out of time to go further, but Chad has so much to offer anyone struggling with thoughts of suicide and how to help someone you care for who is fighting depression. I decided to put together a bonus episode, which will be coming shortly to give Chad the platform to offer his help. If that happens to be you, you are not alone. Reach out to Chad directly through his website, upshiftwithchad.com, upshiftwithchad.com. And you can always reach out to us, stories at nrca.net. I'm gonna sign off now. Be well, be safe, be proud of this great industry. I'm gonna give our final word today to our guest, Chad Dunlap.
2: Talked to lots of people that knew us back then and they all said, Chad, we all knew something was going on. We just didn't wanna say anything. That's garbage. People are suffering because nobody wants to rock the boat. I'm a boat rocker.